Don't Call Me Girl Boss is about sharing women small business owners' real, unfiltered, and relatable business journeys in Texas and California. I am your host, Jessica Ray Buck, a small business owner myself. I interview amazing women who share exactly how they got to where they are today. I hope this encourages anyone listening to start a business or get better in the business they are in. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. Um, I'm not going to get too much into anything business related with me. If this is the first episode you have been listening to, I kind of give you an update on what's going on with my business journey. But right now, um, everything's great. I'm getting really busy with spray tanning in Austin and in California. And currently waiting on a contract back from a potential Amazon deal I'm working on. I'll get more into that when that goes through, but I'm just really excited to have the guest on that I have today. She was so great to talk to. She is a Texas woman at heart, and she pours that into her business, and you'll see what I mean by that by listening to this episode. Her name is Reagan Hart, and she owns Rhinestone Brow Girl in Austin, Texas, and I just love talking to her. And I think she's one of the people that you want to know in this world. And I'm just super excited for you to know her story. And if you are looking for permanent makeup, um, powder brow, waxing, she does so many different things. She does a lot of aesthetic stuff. But without further ado, I will let Reagan share her story and how she's accomplished every, everything she has. So without further ado, here is Reagan. <laughs> I'm from Houston. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, born and raised Texas, but um, Austin um, was new to me. Um, I just, Houston, I absolutely loved growing up there. Um, I just felt more at home in Austin. What, so that's what brought you over here? You just visited one time? Um, well, you know, obviously growing up in Texas, like all my friends went to UT. And so there was a lot of, once we got to like senior year and in, into college, going and visiting friends that were attending UT there. I went to SMU in Dallas. So, but I spent some time in Austin and I loved it. I mean, it was laid back. It was just, the vibe was much more my personality as far as when I was, um, trying to think. And also, you know, Houston, um, I, my parents are there and I just knew that the expectations of how often I was going to have to see them <laughs> we go to dinner every night and everything. And I was like, you know, there's a bunch of reasons to go to Austin. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, so you went to college in Houston. What'd you go to school for? I went to college in Dallas. So sorry, SMU Dallas. In, that's okay. Um, SMU's in Dallas. Um, my degree was in art history. Um, so I knew I was going to be in the arts. I just, um, you know, um, this happened organically. It was just, I first was supposed to go into my family business, which was, um, art and auction house and appraisal and antiques and whatnot. And then it was more because it was expected, um, versus, you know, um, I have a love for art. Don't get me wrong and, um, fine art. Um, but it was more so, okay, well, I'm fourth generation that's what I do. I'm going to go into it. So this all happened, you know, um, getting into the business that I'm in, um, organically, definitely. So what steered you away from the going into more of your parents' business? Um, I got married very young and my ex-husband was from Michigan. And so we moved to Michigan. Um, he was a dentist. And so we went where his practice was. And once I got to Michigan and I got married 
pretty much literally right out of college. And um, yeah, we, I was married for 10 years. We were together for 13. So I was in Michigan a long time. Um, and then it started where I was first looking into interior design, working with interior designers there. And then um, I opened a retail store. It was a specialty store for um, like zero to 24 months, furniture, clothing, and gifts. I mean, I've kind of been across the gamut as far as um, the things that I've done. I opened in 05, the recession, famous recession hit 07, 08. I closed in 09 because my store was kind of a luxury goods. And those businesses were the ones that were the first ones to go. So once I closed that, um, I just kind of became a housewife playing golf a <laughs> and then um, got divorced. And my best friend was a makeup artist. And he had said to me, um, you know, I am, you, you need to come work with me. You do, you know, a great job on your own makeup and whatnot. He's like, just come assist me on some weddings and um, see how you like it. So I did. And I liked it. I loved it. Um, and I slowly started to work for him. And then um, during the day, I would assist him. And it was starting at the basics, washing brushes, you know, cutting wax strips, cleaning, you know, uh, cleaning all the lipsticks. I mean, it was all the groundwork. And then at night I was going to night school for aesthetics. So I could do brows because you can't uh, wax brows without an esthetician's license. So I would work with him from 10 to four and then I go to night school from five to 10. And um, yeah, once I, once I became an esthetician, um, I then wanted to, he was so busy and he was gonna teach me a whole bunch of makeup techniques that I didn't know. But he was so busy, he never had time to teach me. So I just one morning woke up and I was like, I want to go to the makeup school that he went to, which was in California. And I just applied and I got in. And next thing I knew, packed everything up and I moved to Santa Monica and I went to a school in Burbank called uh, MUD. Um, and it's a, it was a six month makeup and special effects mastery program where it was just full time makeup from 10 to six every day. And um, yeah, I did that for six months, had no plan of what I was supposed to do when I finished. So I kind of woke up after we graduated and I was like, well, shoot, what do I do now? And then I, I got a job at Fred Siegel and Melrose doing makeup and skincare. And then um, slowly but surely, I, I then um, I realized I was homesick, but I was homesick for my friends. And remember, I had lived in Michigan for so many years that all my friends were there. Um, and he, my best friend had convinced me, he's like, move back, you know, let's go into business together. It's going to be amazing and everything. And somehow I put the blinders on to the winners and everything that I hated about Michigan. Um, but I moved back and, um, yeah, I just, you know, I knew it wasn't home. I knew I, I was going through these bumps and everything to, I think, to get to the purpose to realize to come home to Texas. Um, I'd been gone long enough and um, I was there for a couple of years. And then I just kind of had the epiphany that I was like, I need to go home. I need to go home. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, start from scratch again, but I'm going to do it and moved, moved back to Texas and chose Austin. Yeah. So that was a lot of information and like I'm a sorry. journey. No. I, um, so let's go back to your owning the store in Michigan. So what was that like? I feel like that's like a whole nother lifetime probably to you. It was, I mean, it was, um, 
I mean, it was good. It was retail. If anyone's worked retail, it's it's not easy, um, but it gives you some serious training wheels for for life in general. Um, you're dealing with um, every different kind of people on a daily basis, but more so than anything, dealing with pregnant women. <laughs> there's a lot of wow. there's a lot of hormones. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of happiness. There's a lot of stress. Um, so I think that that really did teach me almost a, a way of, um, I guess, handling all situations because the kind of like uh, problems I would run into there was if a, a manufacturer didn't ship a woman's crib on time and her baby was due the next week, you know, having to figure out. I remember times of me putting cradles together on the, the, the floor of the store trying to hurry up and get it into, you know, a client's um, car. Um, and clothes and I mean it was it's so funny because so many people who know me well they're like you had a baby store that just doesn't make sense I mean it it's and I was like I don't know I just I remember looking at an interior design book that showed her these all these awesome nurseries and I was like I want to do that so I did um it was it was kind of looking back on it pretty I have to say I was impressed with myself because I was only 26 and um I had never written a business plan or anything. And I just went to, I think it was like Amazon and ordered a bunch of books, how to write a business plan, sat at the kitchen table, wrote a business plan. I called a, a friend who I needed help with the numbers because, you know, the, the money side, creating a business plan on the financial side, had, I was just a foreign language to me. Um, they helped me get that organized. And then I just literally drove to bank after bank and went in looking for a business loan. And I did it. And looking back on it, I mean, it was pretty gutsy because I'd never, I just, there was no hesitation. I had no worry. I knew I could, I was, I think, you know, that youth gives you a confidence um, to just, you know, go head first into something you've never done before. Um, so it, it worked. I got the business loan and um, then getting the retail space was pretty cool. I just, I saw the storefront that I wanted and that the storefront that was currently in that position um, didn't look like it was doing too well and I just walked in and the guy that was behind the counter I said here's my name here's my number if you're ever interested in getting out of your lease or subleasing <laughs> give me a call and he's like actually I am and so, so funny so not then, funny sad but yeah but I mean talk about like perfect timing and it and it worked um so yeah I opened up and it was pretty cool. Um, there was a store in Houston owned by a couple. Um, the store was called Oat Baby and it's spelled H-A-U-T-E, um, like Haute Couture. And I was obsessed with that store. And um, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, work with them because they had a private label line as well. Same thing, walked in there, introduced myself, said, you know, I want to carry your line and, you know, I want your help and this and that. And we became fast friends. She even flew into Michigan to help me set up my store. And then, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like looking back at that, that time period and we're, she and I are still friends and friends with her kids. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of awesome, but recession. Yes. The, the 2007, 2008 recession, um, killed the business. It, it killed a lot of businesses. So it was a difficult time. Um, it's pretty sad. I think retailers, realized something big was happening before a lot of people did because we just saw our sales just plummet. Um, but you know, when it, it, it gave me a really good experience from one end of the spectrum to the others, you know, the excitement and anticipation of opening and getting it going. And then 
the worry and the stress and the late nights, like what's going on? Why are my numbers, you know, plummeting? Why is there no traffic coming in? And then all of a sudden, everything that came out in the news, you know, about the um, mortgage industry. So um, yeah, I, that was getting to experience that firsthand was, was something else. What did you do? Did you just close shop? Did you get out of your lease? What did that look like? So I was very fortunate. Uh, my ex-husband's work was was doing well. So um, I was lucky that I had, um, it, it wasn't that I was threatened with losing my you know shirt on my back or, or the roof over my head. Um, it was a huge loss um, because obviously the business loan was not paid off. Um, and that came out of our, we had to pay off a large, a large amount of money out of our own pocket. Going to the landlords, um, they, it's, how to, um, they let me get out. Um, they made it a little difficult at first. It was constant when I'd asked and I knew, you know, when you want to stop the bleeding, um, I wanted to get out early at a certain point and they were like, no, you know what? You need to submit us your financials, um, this month. Okay. You need to submit us your, um, P and L's next month. You need, and it was like ongoing. And I was just like, can I please just get out so I can close and stop the bleeding? Um, and finally, I think it was, took like three or four months before they were like okay and I think they were getting hit you know on on all into um and on the block because they owned a large uh, amount of property on that block wow yeah so it was a sad time it was a very definitely um not something I ever want to live live through again and I know a lot of people don't want to um it was um yeah but made it through, made it through. And I mean, it, it's, it does now, it's, it's funny because I haven't talked about it in a long time. So it does feel like a whole lifetime ago. <laughs> I know I would never have even known that you did that. And I'm so glad you shared that because that I'm sure you bring aspects of that into your business now. hundred percent, hundred percent, especially running a business because with retail and I'm self-employed and I don't have any employees, um, but running a business, especially at 26, where I had four employees, I had summer, um, summer staff. So I had a bunch of college girls that, you know, would come in, um, and work half days and, and whatnot. And, um, then I had hired a manager and, um, so it was, it was a decent amount of staff and, um, but that gave me experience for, you know, I guess only having to run myself now. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, this is easy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. And so then Melrose, you were working, how was that experience? So Fred Siegel was pretty cool. Um, That is just such an iconic place in itself. And um, I uh, was working, I got the job. um, So one of my roommates, Frazier, um, she just a phenomenal businesswoman. She owns Frazier Sterling Jewelry. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky to her best friend um, and who was working with her at the time, was Sam Aberhart, who is the CEO of the Mayfair Group. So I was watching these two businesses be created at the kitchen table and Frazier used to work at um, at Melrose. And she was the one that said at Fred Siegel and Melrose at Ron Robinson section. And she was like, you need to go apply there. And so I went and I applied and got the job. And it was just, it was pretty cool because it was it literally like, um, it's closed now. It closed, I think two years ago. but it was, 
iconic um, celebrities in there every day. So that was cool. The coolest celebrity I ever got to help was Meryl Streep. Um, and then Sally Field, this is my generation though, because like I'm 42, so Sally Field, um, you know, it was, it was pretty cool seeing her, but Lindsay Lohan came in and got, you know, perfume. Um, we always knew when a Kat Kardashian was in the building because all of a sudden, like the parking lot within like 20 seconds, was full of cars and paparazzi everywhere. All of a sudden it went, it sounded like an earthquake. Um, so we knew a Kardashian was in the building. Um, you know, I mean, it was, uh, who else? I'm trying to think because, you know, it was kind of a daily thing. So sometimes it just became like, oh, you know, um, well, not for Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep was pretty cool because that was that was unexpected. I walked up, didn't even know it was her. She was looking at uh, in the fragrance at the candle section, and um, I just all I saw was a back, and I was a customer, so I was like, "How can I help you?" And I heard her voice, and my heart stopped. I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" Don't panic. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking it was so strange because this man was standing like three feet behind her, just staring at her back, and he was in a suit come to realize that was her bodyguard. <laughs> I always thought it was just some creep staring at this lady, um, but she couldn't have been nicer. And then, um, yeah, we were right next to um, the restaurant next door also had an awesome little celebrity clientele that would come in on, on the daily. So um, seeing um, Lana Del Rey, uh, I think who else? Gigi Hadid. It was cool. I mean, going to work each day, you never knew who you were going to see. And the product selection um, there was just out of this world. Um, the manager who had been the manager of that place for years and years, Karen, she truly had her finger on the pulse of, of what was going to be the next biggest thing. So it was, it was really inspirational, inspirational standing in the same just room as her. I mean, I can't explain it unless you've met someone that um, you know, just has that energy and just has that, I can't explain it better than energy, that vibe. Um, so I feel really, really blessed um, to have had that job and had that opportunity to work there. Was what cool. was some of the things you didn't like about like working for someone else? Um, not being able to control my own schedule. Um, so I, the hours that were required of me, um, I, I, I guess not being able to, and I know this sounds so silly, but not being able to have consecutive days off, um, you know, that, that irritated me. So I'm one of those people that I really need that, um, I guess, processing time to, to just re-energize and get back to work. But I would say that was the main thing. Otherwise, you know, if you give me a task to do, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Having owned a business, I have a, an understanding and I think a respect when people need things done to get them done. Um, and so that never irritated me, but what I didn't like, so, um, it was, uh, you know, hourly, but it was also commission-based and commit, I mean, it could get lethal on that floor sometimes watching, you know, all the employees when someone walked in ready to, to make a big sale. Um, so that was, that would probably be one of the aspects that I remember. And then the, the days, the requirements that I couldn't choose my days off. Yeah. Did you try to work up to management in that or were you just? No, actually what ended up happening, there were two ladies I helped one day and um, they were fun. And, you know, um, all of a sudden they told me who they were. One was the vice president of Blue Mercury and the other one was the California, the South California um, district manager. And they said, we're opening uh, Blue Mercury and Santa Monica and we would like you to interview to be our manager to help us open it. 
and I, they gave me their card and I, I did the interview the following week and I took the job and opened up the, the Santa Monica Blue Mercury. And I worked there not for a long time at all because that, that was corporate. Um, Blue Mercury is owned by Macy's. And that is something I can say, um, no, that I, I do not like working corporate. Um, the things that are required and the things that they required me to ask of my staff, it just, it it's, it's corporate. And I guess I am trying to choose my words wisely. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was an experience. I'll say that. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So at this point, is this when you quit? And then your friend was like, let's go to Michigan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I quit. And then, um, I, that was like, boy, to now, I don't even know, you know, it, it wasn't coming to me. And then, yeah, my friend said, move, move back to Michigan. And he said, let's start a business together. He had an established business and he was like, I have so much overflow clientele. You know, I'm going to send them to you. Just move back here. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. And um, the tried and true warning they give you never go into business with your friends, um, because sadly it, it did, um, hurt the friendship and, um, there was not as much business as, as was, I guess, promised. And it was a bad time for me, a very bad time. I mean, I'd, I'd rather be open with you and tell like the, the warts and all, because, um, I literally went through the most difficult period of my, my life during that time, um. I had no money. I sold everything to move back there. Um, this job did not pan out. I was not making near enough to survive. I'd signed a lease on, on a house and I couldn't afford to pay the rent. I had to go to the landlord to ask um, if I could get out of the lease. She was going to let me. I only had 72 hours to pack up and find a place. So one of my clients, sisters graciously offered me a room in her house and temporarily until I could find an apartment because three days, you know, wasn't enough for me to find another apartment. And I basically moved into a stranger's home, uh, put my stuff in storage. And um, then it was, I was kind of on my own, like I need to figure something out. So um, one of my friends introduced me um, to the owners of a woman's uh, clothing boutique in Michigan. And those owners, um, they had said, she, my friend was the manager at that store. So I went over there to hang out with her for a couple minutes and she introduced me to them. And they said, oh, we know Anthony who owns um, Antonino Salon, you know, around the corner, which was, you know, a very popular salon there in Birmingham. And um, we can get you an interview with him. So they got me the interview and I successfully, I guess, completed the interview and we came to the agreement that I was going to rent a room um, in the back of the salon. And um, yeah, that built my clientele from there. I remember finding out that the Detroit Lions uh, were finally getting cheerleaders. They'd never had cheerleaders, this National Football League. And then when I found that out, um, one of my friends was uh, on the hair team for them. And I was like, oh, I want to get on the makeup team. So I made some calls and found a way and I got on the makeup team. And the next thing I know, I was doing their eyebrows, all the cheerleaders eyebrows. So that was pretty cool. So slowly built up, but never enough. I was struggling. Um, and I'd rather, like I said, I'm going to share with you like warts and yeah. all like this far. Um, it was bad financially. I mean, even though I was building that, I mean, I was scraping by and I couldn't, couldn't make my car payments. My car got repossessed. I mean, I had to ride a bike. I mean, my life had totally has, it's kind of crazy all the lifetimes that, you know, I, I think I've lived, um, in my life. Um, but just could not for the life of me, like 
get enough going. It built more from that point, um, but not to be comfortable, not to be happy, not to, it was a struggle. So, and that's when, and, and I totally believe in manifesting in the universe. And I kept meeting people named Austin. That was the crazy <laughs> thing. And especially in Michigan of all places, like, are you going to be, how do you meet people named Austin in Michigan? And, um, I, then it kind of hit me one day and I was talking to a friend who lives um, back home in Houston and it was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I here? I'm not happy. I'm struggling. I'd rather be struggling at home, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had no plan once again for Austin. I tend to do this. Like one of my close friends, I said, why, how do you do this? Like, you just, you're not scared. You just pack up and you go and you do something. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's um, the one thing I've always held on to is hope. Um, hope, you know, that there is a way to make things better, no matter what. Um, so moved to Austin and I had a, a suite inside a salon lofts and um, zero clientele. Um, I just, you know, all I knew was that my, I guess my experience and my talent and, and whatnot was somehow I was going to be able to build it. I took a second job working at Galaxy Cafe, which absolutely loved those people. So huge, huge fan of the owners of Galaxy Cafe. They're great to their employees. And, you know, I would literally just ride my bike to, to work there. And if I got a client, you know, um, through word of mouth, um, I would you know, jump in an Uber and get back to the salon suite and work on that client. So it was, it wasn't easy the first couple of months. I was definitely, um, busting my tush, you know, back and forth and back and forth. And, um, and then it just, it took off. I, I got really lucky meeting some incredible people, um, that word of mouth had a very strong word of mouth and, um, that changed my life. That changed my entire business right there. And so then, you, you said you uh, rented rooms. So you kind of did that without building a clientele. Were you nervous about taking that on? Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I felt like I didn't have a choice because to go back to your question, when you asked, you know, what didn't you like working for someone I knew with myself, I never wanted to go back to working for someone. So I had to make this happen. And I think the one thing I can, I can say is I've always had an unwavering belief in myself. I've always had, um, an unwavering belief in, in my skill and to do the hard work and, um, I can make things happen. Um, and yeah, I guess I, I did, I just signed a lease had zero clients, you know, it was like, well, I'll figure it out when I get yeah. there. And I think that's kind of how I do a lot of things in life. I'll figure it out when I get there. It's kind of like this meeting where I was like, oh, wait, I don't have a microphone. <laughs> no, but a lot of business owners need that mentality because if you overthink it, you'll just sit there and not do anything. So at some point you have to just go for it Yeah, or else it'll never happen. Absolutely. And that's truly it. I mean, it's fear is, is just a thing. It's, it's, it doesn't really exist. It just, you got to do it. It's, um, and every break it down into small steps. What's one thing you can do that can get you closer to achieving what your goal is. So I try to look at everything that way that like, when I feel overwhelmed, it's like, okay, what's the one thing I can do? Okay. Let me just, if I, if I do feel like I am, um, kind of standstill shocked in fear or worry or stress. It's like, okay, you got to do one thing, just do one thing. And that usually does kind of alleviate that overwhelmed feeling and help to get to the next step. I agree. So what do you think the difference was between building in Michigan and Austin? Why was it successful here and so hard there? Um, it's a good question. Cause I've, I, that's crossed my mind as well. Um, I think 
Gosh. Um, I mean, I've thought about this before because I, I, the only thing I can say is, I know this sounds so silly, but I'm a true believer in it is it's like fate. It's kind of the universe. Um, it's almost, I, I'm a huge believer, like I said, in manifesting in the law of attraction. And um, I was doing all those same things, the books and um, visualizing and meditating and journaling and gratitude journaling. Um, and in both places, the exact same. And I think it was almost the, the universe's way of saying, this is not supposed to happen for you here. We need you to get back to Texas. And that's the way I'd like to look at it because for all intents and purposes, it should have, um, especially because I had so many more connections um, in Michigan, uh, in that area in Birmingham where I lived because I'd you know, been there for 10 years. Um, but for whatever reason, it couldn't, it couldn't build the way that it did here. And so I just, I, I attribute that to the universe that this is, I'm supposed to be home. I'm supposed to be in Texas. So that's why I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for. <laughs> no, I believe in all that spiritual things too. And sometimes you just need that perfect alignment. And like yeah. you said, you were meant to be in Texas, like here, like I know I've been in California my whole life and I moved here a year and a half ago. And I know my business, I'll make more money here than I ever did in California, but I, and yeah. I grew up there. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, when you feel it, like where you're supposed to be and, and it, you feel it and it, it just work. it just, everything works. It just all falls into place. And so I think when you start feeling that it's, it's a pretty amazing feeling because you know, you're on the right track, you know, yeah. as cliche as that may sound. No, it's not because I'll look at the clock and it'll be 11, 11 all the time or things like that. And you just kind of know, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's the right thing. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So let's yeah. get a little bit into your skill. So how did you want to focus mainly on brows? That's what you focus on mainly. And then you, I know you do other things. Yeah. So that kind of, it's funny, same thing fell into my lap. Um, I did my esthetician so I could wax brows uh, because with makeup, you're only doing makeup for special events. So you needed to stay busy during the day, which, you know, tied into brows. And then um, I... I remember seeing, uh, it was like, I think it was a Facebook post in 2016 about microblading and someone had posted, you know, an article about it and it was still kind of unknown. And, um, I remember thinking, gosh, what is that? I want to learn to do that. I want to learn to do that. And then it was really difficult to find a course back then. Um, there was like nobody teaching it. And then I found this place called microblading LA. Um, I think they're in, I want to say Carlsbad, California. Um, I can't remember what city. Um, and I saw that they were offering a training and thing when, and that I couldn't afford it, but I said, screw it, put it on my credit card and, and what's going to do it. And it was funny because I finished the training, but I was so terrified, so terrified afterwards because the first, you know, the first time doing it, it's scary. You know, you're cutting someone's skin and doing something permanent on their face. So it took me months after that training before I was like felt like I could do it I remember my dad even flew into Michigan to have a talk with me like to take me to dinner to be like you need and this is back to our fear you know like I needed to overcome this fear and it was cute because he was telling me about the first time he had to get up on the auctioneer's block how terrified he was so it was it, it looking back at that that's pretty it was pretty cute um so 
finally got over my fear. And once I did that, um, I then learned scalp micropigmentation. And then I was learning all the other like lip blush and eyeliner and learned powder brows. And I personally love powder brows better than microblading, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, and I then it was 2019 and I was in Austin and I saw this picture on Instagram. Um, and it was a technique that I'd never, it was a picture of an after picture of the way the brows looked I had never seen before. And um, it turned out to be brow lamination. And I went down the rabbit hole of hashtags to find out what it was because nobody was talking about it. Um, but it was obvious from the picture that this was a new technique. This wasn't permanent makeup. This wasn't anything you know I'd ever seen before. And I went down the rabbit hole, finally found the hashtag that I didn't recognize the word for. And the word was brow lamination started following that hashtag and figured out, you know, that this in the pictures, everything I was seeing was in, were, were in London. Um, so it had started in Russia and then it hit London and then it was slowly trickling its way to the US. And I signed up for an online course and I felt comfortable doing an online course because I'd been doing, already been doing brows, you know, for um, nine years. So it wasn't something that, you know, I felt like I wasn't gonna be getting a good education by doing an online course um, and fell in love with it. And I remember even going, I went to a training in October of that year. And I told the girls that were in the training, I was like, have y'all ever heard of brow lamination? Now I just did this course and they were like, what's that? You know, it was still like, nobody knew what it was. And then, um, yeah, then it just, I took another course and another course, I was addicted to it. Um, and it was so funny because when I first started ever, I couldn't get a model for the life of me. People were so scared of that word. They were like, lamination, like what the heck are you gonna do to my brows? Um, and then slowly got some clients and yeah, then I, um, yeah, I became as obsessed with it as my clients have become obsessed with it. So, um, but brows, it just kind of fell into my lap, like with the makeup. It was never something, I mean, I grew up in the 90s. I was in high school in the 90s. I was like, tweezing my brows was a sport, um, you know, <laughs> an after school sport. Just got home, climbed up on that bathroom counter with my feet in the sink and would just tweeze and tweeze and tweeze. I've got to find some pictures from back then because <laughs> I, I, I had, they were just, I mean, they're still, it's like, I, they're just so thin. And um, yeah, it, then the 2000s and they got even thinner. <laughs> but it's funny because I look at my like my high school photos with friends and even college photos. And I was obsessed with makeup then, but we never filled in our brows. Like we did everything else with the makeup. But I remember like, and I was on first name basis with the makeup world and Eamon's calendar. Like that's her name. Was, I still have my day planner and her name is in there with her phone number, like <laughs> the right phone numbers down. And her name was Robin. I'll never forget. Cause I would go like every Sunday and be like, okay, what makeup, what, what's new makeup, but we never did brows. That's what's fascinating. Yeah. So um, late nineties, early two thousands. Um, and like, I look at, you know, full face of makeup brows aren't filled in. So they're, it, they were just kind of left alone and tweezed really thin. Um, and so it was never a big deal to me. It was never something that, that stuck out to me. And then when I started doing all the, the cheerleaders uh, brows, um, you know, it, it became more of a study than anything because there, um, it was a challenge um, because sometimes, you know, the, I mean, brows are sisters, so not twins. And so some are more difficult than others to get balanced. And I like the challenge of it. 
I like, I like how much it changes a person's face, um, how it really does, you know, set the tone for the face. And even my best friend who was a makeup artist, I remember he, when he was uh, teaching me what he knew, he was always like, do the brows first um, before you do anything else on the face. And um, he goes tone for the whole face. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes a difference. Um, so you, I guess it just took time to finally realize like how important the brows are to the face and like how much fun I have with them. Hmm. And that, that was a really long explanation for it. Sorry. No, <laughs> I could hear the passion behind it, which is amazing. You know, I'm not passionate about that. So <laughs> everyone really has that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so you do lip blushing and then scar chemo or, or how do I yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah lip flushing is a semi-permanent tattoo and it lasts about two to three years um it's the same technique as powder brows um so you're just tattooing the the lips um and there's two different versions you can do lip blush or you can do more of a lipstick look lip blush you know it's more of a kind of a watercolor stain um it's just meant to even out the tone help with any asymmetry um and correct um any discoloration due to time um and then lipstick look is for a more saturated look where you want a, a specific color um each day when you wake up um scar camouflage and areola restoration those kind of go hand in hand um scar camouflage um it's, um, you know, if someone has a tummy tuck or a facelift and, you know, the scar tissue, it heals much different than the rest of the skin. And so it usually loses, you know, the, the, the pigment. So you blending it in. Um, I've done everything from like mommy makeover scars, um, breast enhancement scars, um, top surgery scars, um, you name it, yeah, liposuction scars, uh, Pretty much you can do anything. And then the 3D areola restoration, um, that is, um, I got into it for the cancer survivors just because of after they have a mastectomy and you know they've had a breast reconstruction, um, once their areolas and well, the nipple areola complex is taken away, you know, that that's a big thing. People don't realize like how much of an impact that makes on on a person's um, not just conscious, but subconscious, because we don't realize like every day. We see ourselves in the mirror when we get dressed um, or get in the shower or whatnot. And the mind gets so used to seeing something in a certain place, just as like you see your two eyes right where they are every single day. It's same thing. You see your two um, nipple areola complexes and every day. And when those all of a sudden are gone and taken away because of cancer, um, it's even though people can't see it when you're walking around, it takes a part of you away. You feel incomplete because the subconscious keeps looking in that mirror like something's supposed to be there, something's missing. It's just like, you know, when you're walking by the mirror and let's say, you know, you accidentally got, you know, let's say like some black marker on the side of your face and it catches your eye because your eye knows it's not supposed to be there. It's not used to seeing it. Works the exact same way when um, having, you know, uh, your nipple areola complex is taken away due to due to a uh, mastectomy. Um, so that was passionate for me to be able to restore that. And the, that I've got so you some... literally like draw it and do all the shading. So it looks mm -hmm. three. Wow. The tattoos. So it looks like it's 3d. And then, um, and it, I've been doing it also for, for clients that have top surgery. So when they're, when they're transitioning, um, because male and female nipple areola complexes are completely different. So, um, so in interesting. Order to, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's very rewarding. 
Um, yeah, I feel like you have to be very artistic. I know you have to be artistic for microblading too, but oh my goodness. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, cause I didn't grow up like drawing or painting. Mine was just a, more of a, especially uh, in knowing the artists and art history. Um, so I was really mastering the art of the sphere. And I know that, that the sphere is um, the most similar shape to the human body and all the, the nooks and crannies and everything. So learning the power of, you know, light manipulation, how light reflects off of the sphere and whatnot. So once you master that, you know, you can, you can really get creative with the colors and what you can create three-dimensionally um, on a flat surface, the illusion of protrusion. Yeah, that's amazing. I have to see some pictures. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty cool. So you said powder brows are your favorite. I've heard that before. Why do you like that over microblading? So, and I, this is just my personal opinion. Um, it's, I feel like over time from, I just like, it's less traumatic on the skin. Um, powder brows initially started out ideal for people with oily skin or acneic skin or um, large pores um, or even mature skin. Um, so to me, it, it was, if it works great on all those, you know, more different skin types, it should, it works great on um, people with more normal combination skin type. And also the problem is, is with, in my opinion, with, with microblading, the strokes heal blurry. Um, that's just a, a, a given. Um, when the skin heals over an open wound, it creates a layer um, that the light has to bounce through. So those the strokes, in my opinion, just don't, don't stay as crisp as they should. Um, I think there's a lot more room for error with, with microblading just because of um, it's, it's all based on the pressure of the hand, the human, it has, it's room for human error. And don't get me wrong with the machine and powder brows, there's, there's room for human error there. Um, I just like the mechanics of, of powder brows. I like the consistency. I like um, the control um, that I have with it. I also personally, I just, I love the, I guess the effect better because each day when we fill in our brows, you know, we're, we're filling in with a pencil and making it a powdery soft effect. Um, so the powder brows just creates that same, same effect. And um, when done in a, you know, soft, um, natural manner, it just, to me, I lean more towards a natural look personally. Um, so I just like the soft, natural look of, of powder brows. Um, I just, it was, like I said, nothing against microblading out there. It's just not my personal preference and not what I recommend, you know, to my clients just for the long-term um, longevity of it, as well as I, I personally believe that the powder brows is much less traumatic to skin than microblading. Um, the other thing with microblading is, and this may be controversial um, for me to say among other microblading artists, um, the way that the, as an esthetician, the way that the skin heals when you make a cut in it, um, in order to close up uh, like a slit in the skin and the skin in order to, to reattach has to build like almost like um, I, this word isn't scientific, but like kind of crosshatch um, in order to close up over it. And what happens is the skin builds scar tissue. Scar tissue, um, it, it's harder. Um, it loses, you know, uh, pigment. Um, it is shiny. The surface texture of it is completely different from the rest of the skin. Um, and when you have to go back for your touch-up, you're having to cut that skin in that same spot 
over again. And then what happens, it has to, you know, my made up word crosshatch and build up again and keep building up all the scar tissue to where, and I know like it's, it's kind of like a, a buildup that just keeps getting higher and higher, thicker of scar tissue. And scar tissue doesn't hold pigment well. So what ends up happening is instead of going, you know, every, you know, year, two years for a touch up, you then have to go in every six months. So you're cutting the skin over and over and over again on the same spot. Skin isn't meant to be cut over and over. It's just not the nature of it. Um, if you look at surgeons and you see how sharp their scalpels are, I mean, it's just like cutting into butter. Um, microblades, there's no way that they can be that sharp, you know, and it's, it's just, it's almost like as sharp as they are, it's still traumatic to the skin. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I mean, no offense whatsoever to any other microblading artists out there. Um, this was just from, I guess, my experience and my, um, I would say, being an esthetician, um, what I feel comfortable, comfort, comfortable promoting um, and yeah. not promoting. So when so, a client uh, comes in, are they like, Hey, I want microblading. You're like, well, like, let's kind of look at your brows and yeah, I tell them, you know, I don't do microblading anymore. Um, okay. so I, you know, if that's something that you're adamant, you know, that you want to have, I give them, you know, some great names of people, you know, that, that do do it. Um, and you know, are fantastic at it. Um, so I, I just then give them the pros and explain exactly what I just explained to them about powder brows. And typically what you do see with long-term microblading clients is after so many years of getting microblading done, um, the body, the skin is also like a cup on how much pigment it can hold. You can't keep putting stroke on top of stroke on top of stroke and thinking that it's going to stay uh, crisp and, and um, um, I guess crisp is the best way to put it because like this cup, you keep filling it with liquid, keep filling it with liquid. It's just going to become a big blob, going to become a big blur. Um, and that's just the nature of skin. That's not technique. That's not, um, anything that the artist can, can prevent. It's just, it is, you know, that's just how skin works. Um, just the same way when you cover like an old tattoo, how they have to almost saturate it with pigment and create almost a bigger tattoo over it. That. Um, it works the same way. You're putting just more pigment on top of pigment and the skin can only hold so much. Um, it doesn't regenerate fast enough in order for it to, and this, and the pigment never, never really leaves the skin. Once you put something in the, in the body and the skin, it's there, you know, even if it fades, it's there for life. Wow. It's very interesting. I'm, I had my microblading done and I was the idiot who let my mom do it. Like, cause she was testing. Uh -huh. So I scarred super deep and had like red scars. Oh no. Yeah. Well, that was you're, you're a trooper for letting your mom try on you. That's good. <laughs> I know. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, your I don't brows think... look amazing. Oh, I fill them in and uh, my friend Amber microblade a little bit over them to kind of yeah. fill them out a little bit, but can you powder brow over microblading? It, it depends. Like as if the like when it needs a color correction, um, you can't, uh, you, you, that's going to be a, um, how should I put it? A, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it, a basis, like individual basis where I have yeah. to see it to see how saturated it is and whether removal is going to be needed first. Um, because if a color has turned red, warm, or has turned cold, yeah. you know, bluish gray, um, you can't just put a brown on top of that and it won't turn out brown. You either need to color correct it if it's faded enough. 
So it works just like makeup. You know, when we have dark circles under our eyes, let's say I, I have more, you know, bluish circles under my eyes. Um, I would put like kind of an orange color corrector first and then my color concealer on, on top of it. Um, that color correction works the same way with brows. If it's faded enough, then you can put um, whatever neutralizer you need to put over it first, and then you can go in with the target color. If it's way too saturated, you would have to do like a saline or a laser removal um, first. But if it's faded enough and the color has stayed, you know, true to the color that the artist, you know, put initially put in your skin, absolutely. And I, I hear of a lot of my microblading clients that end up going to powder brows eventually because the strokes do fade out and it's like well at this point let's just go to powder brow because that way it's easier to um to camouflage those strokes and to get a nice full fluffy you know natural brow and what would you say is your most profitable service like what are you doing the most of um i would say and, and I've gotten asked this before, I would say quantity is going to be brow lamination that, you know, I nonstop. Um, but as far as profitable with dollar amount would be the scalp micropigmentation, because that is a very, very long and tedious process that requires multiple sessions. Um, so sometimes sessions can go from four to five hours and it can take three to four sessions. Um, sometimes, you know, depending on their retention, six sessions and those, those, those are expensive. Um, it's a lot of work, um, nonstop work for, you know, four or five hours. And that's like literally like blending in. So it doesn't look like you have a bald spot. Yeah. Well, I would say my, mainly like for women. Yes. When we, the way women lose hair is what's called diffuse thinning. And that's where we lose a little bit all over our entire head, little by little. And we also lose just like men, you know, right at our hairline. Um, men, on the other hand, you know, they have what's called the, like, the Norwood pattern where they start getting, you know, receding the hairline and then the, the circle and then it gets bigger and bigger and they have, you know, the, the cul-de-sac, so to speak. <laughs> um, and um, so those are the ones that are take a lot of time. Women, women are a lot less as far as time wise, because typically it's just blending in like one of these little temples where we lose right here or someone just wants their sides blended or if it's like a lot of loss on the top and the part, you know, being able to blend that in. Um, so yeah, I would say it's more tedious with men, um, when it comes to that. And you but, said you built most of your clientele through word of mouth. That's been like your biggest way that you've yeah, done it. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten, like I said, really lucky just for, with some, some clients that have, um, I guess, a, a strong network. And, you know, as soon as, one friend sees their brows who, you know, who did your brows. And then once they've, you know, um, I guess posted me even on Instagram, you know, yeah, um, that's how I found you is through Lindsay and Cece. Yep. Yeah. And, um, they have a uh, very strong network. It's and insane. Those, they you know those two are the, the two women who changed my life. So I do <laughs> right. owe them. No. And I've told Cece that, and I, I just literally the, the first time Cece posted me, like my phone was blowing up and, um, she has just an incredible, like loyal following yeah. um, to her for good reason. Cause she's phenomenal at what she does. And same thing with Lindsay. Lindsay has this just incredible loyal following yeah. and the two of them are one of a kind each. Um, and so it was really cool when I got into the work, the space that I'm in now, um, which was a big moment for me now that it's like my own building. Um, Cece was my first client and Aww. I wanted to make sure she was like, it was just, 
And I told her this when she came in, I was like, you're the first client in this building with me. And it's because of you that I'm able to get to this building. So um, she is just an angel. She and Lindsay both are just two sweet angels. So um, I feel really, really lucky to, to call them clients and call them friends. So I agree. I know I've been spray tanning a lot more clients because COVID and stuff. And everyone's like, Oh, I heard you from Lindsay. I heard you from Lindsay. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I need to like, so this girl flowers, right? No. And that's the thing. I'm like, I've been trying to think of something I can do for them too. Let me know what they, you come up with. Cause they I, have, I know they have it. on something seriously. <laughs> if they're listening to this, stop listening. We'll come up with a big surprise for them. Yes, seriously. <laughs> I know it's crazy how networking. That's how I've built out here too. And that's just the strongest, best way because you're also making friends along the way. Yeah, no. And that's, it's, it is. I mean, it's kind of a community because now even my regulars, you know, are, are regulars with Lindsay and Cece. So it's like, I feel like I work in skin spirit, to be honest, because Kat also comes to me. So I'm hearing, and then their clients. So it's constantly like, well, maybe I should just see if they have a room to rent there. Right. Room. That's what I was thinking but, too. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of my uh, clients are, our shared clients have asked, you know, why don't you just work there? And I'm like, I like my own building. <laughs> yeah. I was looking on your Instagram and I know exactly where you are. I networked with Perla events the owner oh, nice. is super yeah. sweet. So I've been right there and urban Betty's right there too. Right. Yep. Yep. And Shelly who owns urban Betty, she, um, she came in like two weeks, ago, not two weeks, like four weeks ago was the first time I got to meet her. She's a um, badass. She's like in articles and like, she's crushing it. I was so, it was so funny. I was so intimidated um, when I knew she was coming in because I do, I, I go get my hair done there. Um, Becca's awesome there. And then a lot of the girls that come to me for brow lamination and lash lift. And it was funny talking to them. I was like, I'm so intimidated. I'm so nervous <laughs> to meet her. Cause she's like this just powerhouse. Yeah. And, um, and she couldn't have been more down to earth. So, and also a special congratulations to her. She and her husband, they just uh, adopted a little baby boy. So um, yeah, like literally like within the last like week. So oh, wow. um, it's, it's, new, it's just a four week old newborn right now. So um, wow. happy for her because she and I were having that whole conversation of being, you know, women in our forties and, and trying to juggle, juggle everything. I mean, I just have a dog. I don't have a baby. <laughs> I have a two-year-old. I don't know if you can hear him in the background here and there. I do my best. I put like pillows under the door, but. Can't hear a thing. My dog okay. was walking around and walking around. And I was like, oh, I wonder if she can hear like the pitter patter of the feet. No, everywhere. I can't. So we're good. Our babies are cool. good. <laughs> so do you think brow lamination is here to stay? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think what it, what it is, is it provides, um, all the people who are scared to take the plunge, um, to get permanent makeup. Um, it provides a service for them to do in the meantime, um, or, or at, for, for prolonged time, if they decide they don't want to do permanent makeup, um, because you can only come in and do it every eight weeks. The only people I'll let do it at six weeks are people with really coarse hair. Um, so, um, because people will text, like clients will text, like, please, can I come in again? Can I come in again at six weeks? Um, and I can't, it'll overprocess the hair. So, um, but I think it's here to stay. Uh, the people who, especially more so for people with coarse hair, um, I would say it's such a game changer for them because they have those like thick, strong, curly hairs in their eyebrows and that are untamable, even when they try to put styling gel or hairspray or uh, like a brow soap or anything. 
um, our hairs naturally are, you know, curl into the spine of the brow. So this has been a life changer for them. And typically people with that like thick and coarse of hair, they don't need permanent makeup. Like their brows are typically very thick and bushy. And um, so this has been a, a huge change for them. They're getting to have what it's kind of like, you know, a, a keratin straightening treatment or a Brazilian blowout for the brow. I get that on my hair because I have just nutty hair. Yeah. And so, you know, what a difference it makes on your hair and think about like, if you had like crazy, you know, wiry brows, like this is, and gets it to like a Brazilian straightening for it. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, and even for people with like, uh, regular brows or fine hair brows, um, fine hair is the same thing. It's client by client basis, because I don't want to uh, process hair that is too sensitive. Um, so, um, but I have yet to have, I've only had one person I've ever had to turn away where I was just like, I, brow lamination, you know, it won't, it won't help you. It, it's, you, there's, the hair is too fragile that you have and I'm not going to risk it. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's, it's a game changer and I don't, I feel so clean. Here I am in my forties with my side part. I'm not wearing skinny jeans. If you've heard all of that, like if people. Yeah, uh, I know. Okay. I question and, it when I do my hair, I'm like, wait. <laughs> I know. And I just used game changer because that now is apparently also a middle-aged thing to say. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of a better way to say it and I can't think of one, but, um, I think it's here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. It's, it is it, quantity wise, my most, my most popular service. Um, so I just, there are days where, where I'll have seven back to back, just, you know, one after another. And, um, it's a service like everyone wants to make sure they're pre-booked for and ready for events. Um, so I think it's, I, 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 I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't think yeah. it's a, a fad. And then how did you come up with the names for your services? They are so cute. <laughs> well, no, here's so funny because that you said that I have been working on some new names that when I, um, that I'm about to announce. So I'm not going to say it yet, but they're really fun and they have to do with the rhinestone brow girl and just the, you know, I'll give you like a, a sneak peek, but like there's going to be the rodeo queen and the barrel yeah. racer and the calamity Jane, you know? So, um, it's the whole aspect of just, I guess who I am born and raised, you know, uh, just a Texas girl, uh, fifth generation. Um, and you know, I spent my summers playing and, and, you know, small town well it's funny because now it's a big city but when it was a small town and all it had was a piggly wiggly and a sonic um <laughs> grapevine and now it's like this big booming city but i didn't grow up there but that was my grandparents and i spent summers with them there but um as far as the cowgirl aspect you know i realize i don't live on a ranch and you know i don't ride a horse to work and everything but um it's something that is ingrained with me because i know that growing up like even i was any Texas girls, like at the moment of birth, walking around on a pair of cowboy boots and a diaper, you know? <laughs> um, so that's kind of who I am. I was always the girl in high school that had cowboy boots on with everything and um, Wrangler jeans at a young age. And I, I mean, I, that's all aesthetics of it, I guess you could say. But I like the the cowgirl idea of the the mantra to live by, you know, it's never giving up, not afraid to get dirty doing hard work, you know, it's, um, it's just, a, a something about it. It really spoke to me when people ask, like, how did you come up with your name? It was instantaneous. It wasn't, I just, um, 
it, I'll, I'll tell you the story if you want to hear the story. Um, yeah. But I went, it was when I first moved to Austin and I went with a girlfriend of mine to a party that was all her friends. I didn't know anyone there. It was just, a, I think it was a, some, it was a tailgate party. And um, when I got there and she was introducing me to her friends, trying to make new friends and whatnot, I, one of the women, she was like, oh, so what do you do for a living? And I told her what I did. And at the time, my Instagram handle was my name. It just, it was Reagan Hart. And um, she's like, oh, one of my close friends does this. And she told me that person's name. And I remember taking a mental note, like saying, okay, you gotta remember this because I gotta start seeing, you know, my, my industry, the local industry. And I was like, well, I'll check it when I get home. And I made a mental note of that person's name um, at the moment. You know, a couple hours go by, a couple of drinks and everything. And then I remember waking up the next morning and being like, okay, I need to look up. And I was like, can't remember their name. Can't remember what name she said. And it hit me that the names that you remember on Instagram, at least for me, are like the, it needs to have something that makes it memorable, that makes it um, the aspect of that person, that artist, you know, I guess, and their business. And so I was like, oh, I got to come up with something. And literally out of nowhere, because I started thinking, you know, what, what is something that all my friends know about me? And the first thing that popped in my head is my cowboy boots. They know that I pretty much 98% of the time wear cowboy boots. And so I was like, okay, cowgirl, cowgirl. And then it just rhinestone brow girl popped in um, because there was already brow girl out there and brow, you know, other, other versions of it. So that's how the name came and it couldn't have been more perfect. I mean, mm -hmm. it was funny when I first changed it, the amount of uh, DMs and texts that I got from friends that were just like, oh my God, this couldn't be more perfect, you know? And so, um, yeah, that's where it came. And, um, that's where all the well, names now for the services are. I love from. how you bring Texas into your business and only a true Texas girl can pull that off. I'm from California. So like so many California people are moving here, but you still want the Texas vibe and Austin yeah. doesn't really provide that anymore. So when you're yeah. able to be a business and provide that, you're going to attract clients because everyone wants that. We moved to Texas to see the cowboys and cowgirls, but there's none here. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing that also, cause I'm, I'm doing a whole redesign of the, the interior of the business. And that is part of it right there that you hit the nail on the head. That is very important to me is, um, I am having joy Flores from unhinged studio. She's the one who did Taquero Mucho, um, you know, the pink taco restaurant. And then, um, she did cute nail studio. So uh -huh. Her techniques, or her, I shouldn't say technique, her creativity, her, um, she's like no other. I mean, that's just literally like her name, um, her, of her studio represents Unhinged. Um, it's just off the wall, but I mean, we're going full throttle like Texas cowgirl. And I'm yeah. so excited for like once it's completed this summer um, for everyone to see it um because it's, that was important to me. I was like, you know, being, you know, a true Texan, that's what I want people to see. I want it to be a place where, you know, it feels fun. You know, you feel like you're yeah. at a little, you know, rodeo for brows, I guess you could say. <laughs> no, I love it. I think it's genius. And I can't wait to see your overhaul of it because you already have it there, the groundwork. So just exploding on that idea is going to be huge. Yeah, no, it's going to be so much fun. So I'm excited to, to get started with it this month and, and do the reveal this summer. So it's going to I'm cool. excited. I can't wait. And I'm excited for you. Thanks. So do you plan on having employees or are you not at that point? 
I'm not at that point. Um, you know, I, I get asked that all the time that they're like, why are you going to start bringing on employees? Um, I really like being independent. I really like, I know a lot of people in business, like uh, what I guess constitutes success for them is building growth, like bigger, bigger, bigger. Right now, that's not my concern. Like I just want, um, I just dream of, you know, a consistent, you know, schedule and, um, happy to go to work each day, love seeing my clients, um, maybe down the road, but not in the near future. So um, I'm just, I'm such a Virgo. So I really do like working alone, you know? Um, my sister's I, a Virgo. So when he said that, I was like, <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so I need my alone time, my quiet time. And, uh, but I, you know, I, yeah. So maybe down the road, but for right now, I really like working alone. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to, you know, I feel like that's like, everyone's natural question. It's like, when you get married, when are you going to have kids? It's like, yeah. And it's, you don't have to, you can be a solo entrepreneur forever. Exactly. Exactly. And so just your I, goals and what you want and what time, if you want it time away time there, it just depends. Right. I just want, yeah, that's, that's been my goal with everything that I've been through, like in the last like 15 years, I think that's why, what I want most in life is to have happy clients, have clients that feel like friends that I get to see each day, you know, when I go into work um, and just be, have a comfortable, like just peaceful kind of life. You know, it's just, it's also kind of a, I guess you could even think of it as like a Texas kind of cowgirl way of life. <laughs> that's all we really want is just like little peace, happy, and you know, success for sure. Don't get me wrong. Um, but my, I guess my version of success is, is just, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to put that into words, but just a, you know, a full schedule and friends for clients and, you know, do good work. And, um, yeah, that's about it. How many clients do you normally see a day? Depends on the service. So if it's a brow lamination day, like I'll probably, I could have six or seven in a row. And then, um, if I have like a permanent makeup, um, like, um, yesterday I had a lip blush and then a lash lift and, um, like the lip blush takes about four or five hours and then wow. the lash lift about an hour and a half. So, um, typically if I have a permanent makeup, it would only be two clients a day, um, them, and then a service that's not permanent makeup. Um, if I have a scalp client, I only do a scalp a day because after, you know, four or five hours of that work, my hand and my brain is fried. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, if it's brow day, like for waxing, shaping, lamination, um, and sometimes it, it mixes up um, that special, the combo that I do, the my most popular service, the Dolly Parton Deluxe, um, that's where it's the combination of the lamination shape, tint to the brows, and then a lash lift and tint. That's a three-hour service. So, um, you know, if I get two of those in one day, my day's pretty much full at that point. Wow. Those are long services. I do 15 minute spray tan. So I'm like, I can't imagine spending three hours with a client. I think it's harder on the client to be honest, because they're laying still for three hours. Yeah. And it's so funny you have a two totally get this, like how difficult it is to get the two-year-old to sit still. Yeah. We don't realize this, but it's same as adults. Like after they're good for like an hour and then it's like, okay, okay. You know, I phone's buzzing, you know, got to get to go do something. You feel like you need to be somewhere. So I do my best to, to help them, you know, relax and sit back and enjoy and get pampered. And then what do you decide what hours to be open? Um, that, so my hours are Tuesday through Saturday, you know, 10 to six. And I think it's just, 
out of habit, um, have being a before this makeup artist, those are makeup out, artist hours um, because the busiest days were always Saturdays. So to be open on a Saturday. The other thing I realized is that a lot of clients that have full-time jobs Monday through Friday, you know, the only day they can get in is a Saturday. Um, I think it's easier for me not to work on Saturdays because I don't have kids, you know, so um, I'm totally fine having Sundays and Mondays off. I am considering um, in June and July starting to take, I have to make this decision this week, um, taking Saturdays off. So just for the summer, um, just because- You could do every other one too. Yeah. And that was something that where our friend was like, why don't you do that? Or like only, you know, work, um, one Saturday in the month or something. So I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out this week, but just so I can enjoy weekends in the summer. Um, but like I said, after years and years of working, you know, Saturdays, it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, it's more difficult in dating. It's more difficult, you know, um, for situations like that when there's like stuff going on, you know, with friends and whatnot that I can't go be a part of. But that goes back to liking to be self-employed. So if I need to block off, you know, a day, I can block it off if I'm yeah. going to. And so you found a super cute location. I know exactly what building we talked about <laughs> it a little bit. Um, how did you find that? So it was totally by by chance, by luck. Um, and back to manifesting. So um, I had seen a space on, I, at South Lamar that I really thought I'd wanted, and it was way out of my budget. Um, I was like, I'm gonna manifest it. You know, I'm gonna print it out, I'm gonna tape it up on the wall, I'm gonna close my eyes and visualize myself in there. And all of a sudden, within a couple of weeks, I saw it had been leased. So I was like, okay, well, that manifestation didn't come true, you know? <laughs> and then I was kind of like sad about it. I knew I wanted out of the salon suite. I knew my, you know, I had to find the right space. Um, and I don't know what made me look. So I was using LoopNet, um, which is a commercial real estate app. And I know what made me look in that location, but I did because of, all of the like scar camouflage that I do, the 3D areola restoration. I was like, well, why not be in the medical close to the, the medical district and see what's available out that way. And all of a sudden that popped up in, in the, the listing. Um, and I was like 279 square feet. Are you kidding me? Because that's why I was out of my budget to other places. Cause most places are like 800 square feet, you know, or a thousand square feet. And I was only in a room that was 100 square feet. So, uh, and I didn't have any employees. So it wasn't like I could afford to go that much bigger just yet. So when I saw that square footage, I was like, oh my God. And then I saw how cute the building was. Now I kind of appreciate my naivety about about, um, the location because I didn't realize like how like, what's the word um, that I'm looking for? That it's, you know, that it's, it's a tried and true shopping center in Austin since 1970 six is when it was built. Um, and so I kind of glad that I was so naive about it. Cause I was like, it's just a cute building and it's the perfect square footage. And oh my God, look at, you know, it's right by the hospital, you know, even better right by all the plastic surgeons, you know, um, since that's, that's a lot of the work that I work with there. Um, and, um, then one of my friends, he's a real estate agent. When I said, I said to her, I was like, have you ever heard of 26 doors? I said, I'm looking at a space there. She's like, what? (laughs) She goes, everyone that's been in there has been in there for like decades. Um, It's hard to get into that that location. Um, And I didn't know any better. And then I 
slowly realize that um, Adelante, you know, they've been there for 24 years. Urban Betty has been there for 16 years. Um, Pearl Events, I don't know how long they've been there. And then Made by Milling Around, and then the SS Audiology, Ray Cosmetics. And the really cool thing, like that um, Trish, um, who owns Adelante, she was in last week, I was doing her brows, and we were talking about this. Um, we realized, aside from the restaurants, because Oakmont and Quinti La uh, Santa Rita Cantina and the bank were all woman-owned um, Texas Texas women-owned businesses in there. Yeah, it's, it's cool. cool. It's yeah. really cool. We didn't. I mean, no one. Even the Estes Audiology, the the doctor there. So it's a shopping center of women-owned businesses, which is that is cool. amazing. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. And that, that was it. And then immediately I contacted the, the broker that was listed on there. It was a very long process. Um, so it, it took months. Um, it wasn't, it was not an easy shopping center to get into for sure. Um, lots of hoops, um, understandably to jump in. It has a very good reputation and, um, I respect that and I appreciate that. And that was one thing that I do love about being in there is that, um, they take care of it. The it's, it's just a very well, um, manicured location. And, and um, I love it. I'm so happy there. What um, was the hard parts? Was it like showing the finances and stuff like that? Um, so it's owned by Ascension Seton hospital. And if you have ever like had a friend that works in hospital, um, administration or whatnot, uh, hospital bureaucracy is a lot. Um, there are a lot of approvals that need to go through. So it was more, um, I guess, hurry up and wait if you get that, you know, like, okay, here it is. Okay, now we have to get it approved by six different people and it has to be approved like chronologically. The board and all that. Yeah. Exactly. So um, that was tough. Um, it, more so the waiting was tough. And, um, you know, understandably the requirements to get in there and whatnot. So, um, I, as far as, you know, the same things that you, you have to do in business as far as, um, you know, providing financials, providing, uh, data for projections, um, for business, um, and for anyone, you know, looking to get into, uh, I guess you could say a shopping center like that, be prepared. Um, they, want to know everything and understandably, you know, they, that's a, it's a very well-respected shopping center. They're not going to just let, you know, anyone in there. And, um, I'm very appreciative that, that I was allowed in there because it was, I did have, um, like I said, uh, um, I know I'm just kind of stuttering right now because I'm trying to think of like the, the best way to say this, but I had a lot of, I guess you could say explaining to do, um, you know, the type of work that I, that I'm in, um, it, I think this kind of ties into uh, kind of the social um, aspect of what permanent makeup artists are. Um, establishing ourselves away from the, I guess the, the people that look at, um, the, all they see is like, oh, you do tattoos, you know? Oh, you do tattoos. And they get scared because they think of like those 19, 80s tattoos on the face, like the eyebrows. The eyeliner. Do you remember the and eyeliner? Eye yes. <laughs> and then even the word tattoo scares people. And um, so I understand there was serious, and I've heard of other people in my industry getting turned away from locations because once they find out that they're in essence, quote, tattoo artists, end quote. Um, but explaining that it's not what that, um, I guess you could say old school uh, interpretation is of that, that what we do is very different. 
um, and that it's not, ta it's tattooing, um, but it's a different field of its own, you know? So um, I think that's probably the best way to put it that, you know, I just, I, I felt like I, I explained and they were, they were awesome once they understood, you know, what I did for a living, you know, and that it wasn't, um, I, you know, um, it, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm kind of like stuttering, but no, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this into words. No, I just know that scenario of finding a property is not easy. Like you said, if you're going through a commercial, I really, no matter what industry, I'm sure yours is more difficult, but like, it is a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. It really is like, and they, there's a lot of vetting of like what, what they're going to allow in, in different places. And you didn't think that, you know, you wouldn't think that you would think like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm business. someone wants to take my money. No, yeah, they're like, no. we don't want it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was, it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. That's what I'll say. Yeah, and definitely. The coolest thing was because the building used to be, and if you know this, the building used to be a woman who cut hair for 20 years for children. So it was called the hair's lair. And this woman, you know, she was there for 20 something years. She was going to retire. So quarantine was last year. And that's when I found it on LoopNet was right after quarantine. And, um, she was going to retire this year. Um, but because of COVID and she was in her sixties or seventies, um, she decided to retire a year early because she didn't want to take the chance of, of getting infected at her age. And the landlord, um, I guess, I, I don't know what arrangements they make, but it became available and it was like, couldn't have been more perfect timing. And it just goes to show you, like I'll promote manifesting and law of attraction even more right now, because here I was looking at that one space in South Lamar that I thought I wanted and this turned out to be a million times better. And it just goes to show you that even when there's something that you want so badly and you don't get it, the universe has something better planned for you because never in a million years would I have, when I first like manifest, was trying to manifest that first space, never in a million years would I have thought that I could get a space like this. Mm -hmm. And so I think that speaks volumes to never losing hope, never losing faith that, um, it, even with when what you don't want, what you want doesn't happen, something better is coming along and just got to stay faithful and re, and tell yourself that like, okay, all right. It just wasn't meant for me, but the right thing's coming. And what made you want to get out of the Sola? Um, oh, I was in Salon Lofts. They, it's just, it, okay. It was wonderful for starting getting going for me. Um, and my, my own, I, need daylight. I need windows. Um, I need, it was too dark. I was in, you know, it's a room with no windows and it's only a hundred square feet. So, you know, as my business was, I guess, getting busier and having to flip the room between services was a lot more difficult. And I mean, this is, I just, it was wonderful for what I needed for what I started and priced right. And, um, helpful and they were incredible during quarantine I have to commend them um they didn't charge any of us rent for the entire quarantine wow. and I know I will never have that again somewhere like that was a very unique special and I will be forever grateful for that so um you know it was a great community to get going get on get on for me to get on my feet I know some people absolutely love it like even to stay there you know for good and that's awesome um I just knew I needed windows in a building <laughs> yeah what is something you would tell someone who wants to get into the industry you're in? Um, I would tell them, and the funny thing is first, I would tell them to apprentice under someone, like really make sure that that 
is what you want to do. It's easy to see the after pictures and how pretty they look. There is a lot of struggle and practice and, you know, blood, sweat and tears as there is in any industry. Um, I would tell them, be prepared to fail, be prepared to fail a lot and be prepared to not be hard on yourself and, um, allow those failures. Obviously, don't practice on human skin, you know, for those failures, you know, practice on, on melons and, and fake skin and whatnot, but, um, and make sure your technique is hundred percent down before attempting, um, to work on a person. Um, I think, Find a program more than anything. Like if you're not going to start out by apprenticing under someone, find a program that is a fundamentals and not just a two-day week in fundamentals. Um, because that's what um, I just did a two or three day. The, my, the first microblading course I took was like a two or three day. And they literally just, you know, gave us a box of microblades and, you know, um, we're like, okay, have at it, you know. And I was terrified, like I said, and one of my friends let me practice on her and I didn't do such a great job. And I didn't sleep for weeks. I was crying every night and everything <laughs> and it faded, it went away, but I felt like I just, I destroyed, you know, my career and like, yeah. because I wasn't, I wasn't going to get it. But here was the problem was that the, the class that I went to, since it was only two or three days, um, they didn't, I guess, emphasize enough how much practice you need to do before you get out there. So I think it's important to find a fundamental class that's at least five days, if not seven days, and possibly even has a um, theory portion that uh, predates the actual live course. And what I mean by that is maybe if you could find a class where they give you work, classwork to practice and turn in before the class even begins. So it starts getting you into that habit of knowing that this isn't like going to be a class that you go to for three days or four days and you're just going to know it. Absolutely not. You know, you've got to practice over and over and over again. Um, you are going to, I would warn them, you're going to struggle um, financially. It's going to be hard because it's hard to find um, clients that are going to trust you to tattoo their face, you know, without any prior work, without any before and afters. Um, so I think that being said is also find a program that that fundamentals program five to seven days that maybe has the option of having two models. Um, the more, you know, skin you touch while under direction, you know, the easier it gets, because that's like anything, the more times I've done it, the better I've gotten at it, the less like, petrified I am of, of, of skin. I've had great courses and I've had horrible courses. I've had courses where the teacher made me cry every day. And I will, you know, there's different teaching methods. Um, some teachers are more of the encouraging, um, you know, you did, or the, what I call, you know, the compliment sandwich. You did great on this, but not so good on this, but great on this, you know, so that way, okay, you give them their constructive criticism, but you surround it and, and to encouraging ways. So then they see that and like, okay, I want to keep doing better. And then some people do respond well to, um, really strict, passive aggressive, um, tough teachers. I don't respond well to that. That was the one that I went home and like cried for hours each night after each training. So I think the important thing that I would say is research your training, make sure you can find a fundamentals course that's at least five to seven days that also offers follow-up guidance there that they're, the teacher isn't just going to disappear, that you can call them. Um, you can send them pictures, um, of clients, um, and has, a lot of theory, um, when I say theory, like not just the practical in live, but the theory, the practice at home, turning in homework, turning in cases to them. Um, I think that's just really important. Um, I can't emphasize that enough. 
But then the other big thing is be prepared to fail and failing is okay. And you just got to keep getting up and keep going. Yeah, it's all really good advice. <laughs> you should do trainings. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll see one day, maybe. <laughs> one day. So where do you see yourself a few years from now? Um, well, it's funny that you say that. Like I, I'm, I'm considering doing... Um, starting lamination training. Um, but that'll be in the works down the road. Um, right now I just like, still feel like I'm building. I still feel like uh, it's funny. I still feel like a newbie, even though, you know, I been in the industry a couple of years. Um, but I would say I'm still doing what I'm doing in the building that I'm doing. I mean, I'm just happy. I'm right now. I'm just really, really happy. So, um, as far as growth wise, um, I would love to start my own like brow product, um, like for, uh, styling products, um, or even do a collab with, with another company, like to, um, whether it's like a brow gel or something like that, but I'm not a hundred percent, you know, determined to do that. That's a whole nother like monster. Um, I'm, well, you can private label something pretty easy. I think you mentioned private labeling. So, you know, that process, so you don't have to go and formulate and spend, $20,000. So just find something you love and even find who's manufacturing that and you can private label. And that's something like a lot of my clients have asked, they're like, um, you know, I wish you sold products here, you know, so that way we can rather than, um, and so that's something coming this summer is I'm going to start having a full, you know, retail um, option of different. You will be great at that. You already have all the experience. (laughs) 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 Just put it like, put some diapers next to it. I got the baby. No, I'm joking, but yeah, no, I'm it's coming. I know that's probably my most requested thing is, you know, why don't you have retail products here? And, um, I just literally bootstrapping it. Um, and, um, I, you know, like I said, when I mentioned that I didn't have a car for years, I finally got a car last, last December. So that was a huge moment for me. Um, and it's, it's funny to say that, that having a car my entire life and then those three years, four years, not having it. And then finally having one, what a, what a big deal that was. So everything's coming. I just had to do it, you know, all yeah, in, in yeah. and there's nothing so. wrong with that, but it's crazy. The amount of more money you will see once you start selling retail. That's what, that's what I, I believe me, even, even my dad still tells me that. Got it, dad. All right. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I thought the same thing. I was like, whatever, you know, like I make enough money with my services, but then I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, a spray tan's $40. I sell them a $40 product. Yeah. I just doubled my profit. Exactly. And that's the thing that I know that I need to do. Cause that, what you just said right there, it's like seeing two clients in one session. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just doing it. It's hard and figuring it out and doing all the things on top of everything else you're already doing. Yeah. Once you do it, you'll thank yourself and you'll be like, wow. Like I told myself I should have done this sooner. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll do it Um, this summer. Yes. (laughs) On your free Saturdays. On my free Saturdays. No, I'm not giving up those Saturdays. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was really great to meet you. Um, I've heard so much great things about you. And I think you referred me a client not too long ago. So thank you. They said that you did. Yeah, absolutely. No, happy to do it. So no, I love this community that we, that I, it seems like I've gotten to be a part of here in Austin of just, I guess you could say like the beauty, beauty babe squad here. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, Pretty cool. But I appreciate you taking the time and talking to me. Yeah, I loved your story. I learned something. And if you ever need a spray tan, let me know. <laughs> and when you want your brows laminated, let me know. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm kind of scared because I have microblading underneath. So will this, because that doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter at all. So I feel like they, I felt like they curved the stroke to be like how my hair is now, or is that not a thing? It doesn't, it doesn't affect it. Honestly. Um, you'll, I mean, I trying to think I can even, I can even text you a picture of someone who I've done that has microblading where you can see that. So, um, so you'll see, yeah, I'll send you the picture so you can see it. It actually enhances it, um, more than anything. Yeah. But anytime you want, you let me know. Yeah, I will be in. Well, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Okay. Thanks. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. Again, thank you for listening to Don't Call Me Girl Boss. The best way to support this podcast is by liking and subscribing and leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Instagram at Don't Call Me Girl Boss. There is a new episode every Sunday, usually in the afternoon or at night. Thank you again for listening.